0: Welcome to the Serve Conscious podcast, where people and companies can learn the inner game of service and tap into the fullest power of the service opportunity. So join me and let's master the service mindset together and up-level service the world over. And I encourage you to check out my partner, the Institute for Organizational Mindfulness, which is on a mission to help people and companies to incorporate mindfulness into their culture and raise performance, efficiency, general happiness, and everything that we want from going to work. So a link is in the show notes for you to go deeper into that, as well as the mindful service movement. All right, let's get started. Hey friends, how are you? So I had a lot of uh, fun this week. It's always fun to share the ideas of mindfulness, uh, the service mindset, and ways of bringing more meaning and power to the work we do. And I got to do this in my friend uh, Laura Saltman's uh, Clubhouse Room. It was a wonderful conversation with uh, wonderful hosts. And we talked about a wide range of topics. And I want to just kind of zoom in and expand on one. And it's centered around a question I got to the effect of, do you know how to bend time? (laughs) And I'll explain what that means. How can a busy person make more time for themselves? And really the solution to that isn't creating time, since time can't be created. The answer to that is also not, How can you do more in a day? Since solely more doing is actually not what determines productivity. It has to do with the purpose, intention, and quality of action that you put into your life. We talked about that. And at the core of a lot of that is our sense of personal freedom in our actions. And what immediately occurred to me was one of my favorite studies that you might have heard me mention before— Probably have in some episode of this show. It was a study done in 2015 by the University of Zurich that looked at a bunch of busy people that, you know, couldn't cram more into a day and generally who would report their life as having no room in it. And what they did is added an hour or two a week of volunteer work and then observed the results. What happened? they felt like they had more time. And you're like, what? How is this possible? How can you add commitments to an already full calendar and have the result be this sense of having more time? And that's because they began to get a sense of voluntary action. There was this feeling, probably up until that point, that their busyness wasn't their choice. Just a bunch of stuff they had to do not a bunch of stuff they chose to do. A debilitating disease that I call obligation mindset that I use mindful practices to help unwind. There's lots of ways to do that, but mindfulness is one of the the key resources for me here. And the end result here is the more you get a sense that what you do is your choice, that it is voluntary, right? That you're volunteering your time and energy to it, the more time it feels like you have. Oh, and by the way, with that comes general joy, happiness, fulfillment, and life not sucking. It's not just like possessing more time. Possessing more of anything doesn't really mean anything unless it feels good. Like possessing more money or things isn't an improvement unless life feels fuller as a result, and more money or things doesn't do that. Something else does, right? A greater sense of meaning has to come with the money. Same with time. And I went about challenging everyone to kind of look at their calendars, their very full calendars, and basically just like list everything on it and determine to what extent each item feels like it's voluntary or it feels like an obligation, and to challenge themselves to explore how to make every item become their choice. And what happens when you go through this process, and I recommended to everyone listening as well, is you realize how much things are actually your choice. Actually, 100% of things are your choice, right? Some alternatives don't have very good consequences, but it's your choice to face those consequences. So this kind of puts the power back in your hands. And also it reveals how many things you were just doing because you felt you had to, not because they were actually meaningful to you. And you're able to prune the calendar of things that aren't a relevant use of your precious time and energy, right? And I mention this because it's absolutely essential for your life of service. It needs to feel voluntary. I emphasize this a lot because it's really easy to get sort of caught in this funk that this is a job and we need jobs and there's really no way out of this vice grip of modern industrial capitalist society. And if only we can just sort of lounge on the beach and eat grapes and be sustained and you know not have to do these gross jobs or at least find a job that's like fun and this isn't fun so therefore we're obliged right but i challenge everyone here to start doing more things in their life voluntarily you know go volunteer your time somewhere or go voluntarily do a hobby or something you enjoy and notice how your relationship to your work changes the more you sort of claim your freedom to do what you want with your time. Volunteer your time to be with people that you enjoy being with, not people you feel obliged to spend time with, those toxic relationships that we're allowing to overstay their welcome in our lives. And then when you are customer-facing and not loving it, not feeling very enthusiastic, feeling like, gosh, there must be something better out there for me, Ask yourself, how would this look if it was my choice? And let's say it totally is my choice. Why have I made this choice to be here right now? Helping these people with their needs. What does this actually provide me with? And this process might reveal that you actually feel really enriched when you're helping others. And that you're actually quite skilled at communicating. And that you feel, even in, you know, one small hit at a time... The fact that the work you do is valuable. When you help solve a problem for someone that has really been troubling them in some area they feel really lost in. And maybe the problem with the job is the mental and emotional strain that comes with it. And if you do things to compensate for that, then it doesn't feel like you're on a ball and chain so much. Life doesn't really feel very voluntary when there's no space. There's no space to do what's most important to you. There's no space to do what serves your health and well-being. When you make that space, then there's less exhaustion and stress chemicals and all those other things making your brain feel like there's no way out. And actually, at the end of the show, I should probably mention a meditation and mindfulness program that I'm opening enrollment to that will provide these resources. Stuff you could do outside of work to refill your tank and stuff you can do in motion on the job to remain resilient in the face of all that mental and emotional strain. Start a program like this and one of two things will start to happen. You'll either realize that you really don't like your job, and you're absolutely not growing from it, and you have all the power and capability in the world to find something better, or you will realize what you appreciate about your role, your value, and the work you can do right where you are. Either way, things change. Or more, your relationship to yourself and your work changes. So circling back to that first call to action, and that's to challenge yourself to change your relationship to everything in your life to one that is voluntary. I do this because it's my choice. And by the way, this doesn't mean I like this, or I'm pretending to like this because Stefan said that that's somehow healthier. Absolutely not. That's more unhealthy. Don't pretend like you like something when you don't. Acknowledge it for what it is. I don't like this. But I'm choosing to do it because it serves what I need in the highest way that I know. And to get deeper into this mindset, I might point you to a podcast episode on obligation mindset. And if I can dig it out, I'll link it in the show notes. And I'm emphasizing pursuing this sense of freedom, not just because it's nice to have or just because it's like more American or something, <laughs> right? It's actually a basic human need to feel a sense of autonomy. Notice I said feel a sense of autonomy, not get autonomy. Because get suggests that someone else provides you with it. Now, there are certain systems and cultures and societies you can live in that will more likely facilitate your sense of autonomy. But at the end of the day... This is something that you need to cultivate within your own mind because that's the only reliable resource of it. And you can live in the freest society in the world and still be imprisoned by your own mind and by some false sense of obligation to a bunch of things that you do not need to be obligated to commit your time and energy to. And if right now you find yourself saying to me through your computer or mobile phone, microphone, I can't hear you, sorry. But if you're shouting to me, Stefan, what does this have to do with service? Well, autonomy is really important to clean up your relationship to this idea of selflessness, this elusive idea of selflessness that people who want to be of service truly are striving for. And I say it's elusive because when you start to break down human motivation for doing things, anything can seem selfish, right? Like there's some things that are more selfish than others, but is there any truly selfless act? For example, someone does something that only benefits someone else, at least on the surface, and yet it's an act that makes them feel really good to do. Well, this selfless person doing something that generates a good feeling inside of them, well, that's kind of a selfish act, right? They're doing something that serves them as well, but it on the surface benefits someone else. So therefore it's, I guess, more selfless, but not totally selfless, right? And if you dig deeper into that, maybe they feel good doing it because they are imagining being... Celebrated for it by society and getting all kinds of positive attention. And maybe there's just something a bit vain or narcissistic about that motive. And maybe once that layer of the onion's peeled back, things seem less selfless, right? And I've argued before that none of this really matters outside of the end result. Are you helping someone? Good. Just keep doing that. And your motives are likely to clean themselves up as you witness more and more evidence of the fruits of your actions and how they serve the well-being of others. But there's another challenge to this that I wanted to mention. And this comes from another study that I was reading about recently that totally makes sense. And that has to do with forced versus freely chosen Service. So, one study looked at the dopaminergic response of the human brain. That's basically looking at the brain and how much reward chemistry it fired off. So, how much it basically said to the person, this feels good, do it again, right? How rewarding is the action? That's pretty measurable now by modern neuroscience. So, they looked at the difference between somebody who got an opportunity to freely donate money versus somebody that was taxed that money, knowing that the taxation would go to the exact same cause. Now, people who tended to like score higher on greediness metrics didn't like getting taxed. Even if they liked the idea of charitable offerings, they really didn't like the idea of being forced to give the money to a charity of some sort. They got zero reward from that. And people that were more selfless actually were still fine with the taxation, knowing it was going to a good cause. However, in general, the taxation of that charitable donation always yielded less reward than the alternative, and that's it being freely given. So like a totally selfless person, let's say, like like the most saintly person you can imagine is going to get less out of being forced to donate money than they are charitably giving that money. Now, this could be evidence for the fact that, wow, nobody is selfless, even the most saintly person, because if they were truly selfless, then the means by which the results were achieved wouldn't matter to them, right? People are being helped, end of story. The extent to which you need to have felt like you willfully chose that suggests there's like ego involved in giving, a sense that you needed authorship of that and that you needed to take responsibility for it. Like if someone were to ask, you know, hey, how did the money get into the hands of those people that needed it? Oh, I chose to do it. Aren't I great? I wasn't forced to, right? You get no credit for it if you're forced to, basically. But you know what? I don't think it's that simple. For a couple of reasons. Firstly, what if this isn't driven by total selfishness? What if it's driven for the innate need for autonomy? Like, we're all wired to need autonomy. And of course, I guess you could say, well, needs are selfish. You know, if you're truly selfless your needs don't matter, right? But what have I talked about so many times? To truly be of service, your needs need to be met or else you as a vessel of service are going to be depleted. This includes things like the need for autonomy. And when you look at the bigger picture, you'll see why. And to get a better sense of the bigger picture, let's look at another reason why it's important to feel like we're freely giving, freely serving, and that is the ability for us to put boundaries around who and what gets our time and energy. We need to feel like we're in control of that. So let's say you just let other people decide what you do with your money or with your time and with your energy. What happens? Everyone just takes what they want from you without you having a say in the matter and none of your energy or time goes into what matters to you. It just goes into what matters to whoever's in front of you at the time. And then you're left depleted with nothing to give to what matters to you. And maybe you could like philosophically like grind this point down and say, okay, well, if you're truly selfless, then it shouldn't even be about where you want to donate your time and energy because choosing who you help and how you help them, well, that's just acting in your self-interest and not the self-interest of those that really might need help, right? And, you know, besides that sounding like total chaos to just take your own sense of (laughs) discernment over what's the highest and best use of your energy, I will add that... You serve better when you get to choose what the highest and best use of your energy is. So ultimately, in the macro sense, there is greater benefit when it's your choice rather than, just, rather than just responding to whatever hands are in grabbing distance of you. You might not be able to help those people very well, or they may not need your help as much. Because in denying people, your expertise on the highest and best use of your energy, you are, in fact, not serving the world as well as you can. And those people that just indiscriminately give themselves away to whoever asks, they're not offering as much as they can because they aren't offering the word no where it's needed. An empowered no, a positive no, that isn't even no to one thing. It's just yes to the thing that you're saving those resources for, right? It's like, hey, nothing personal, I just have plans for this time, energy, or resources of mine. So let's talk about the relevance of this to your time at work and outside of work. Let's start with outside of work because that time is most technically your own, obviously depending on your life situation, but let's say it's most your choice because outside of work, You're not depending on anyone for a paycheck. So therefore, you're not compelled to serve the vision and mission of a company. You're compelled to serve the vision and mission of yourself. However, within your personal life, there are going to be potential taxations on your time and energy. And you can either let yourself be taxed, Or you can decide, I would prefer to volunteer my time and energy instead. An example of this would be perhaps work friends or friends outside of work that go out and drink on work nights so that they can just get loose and complain about everybody and gossip and generally devote their precious free time to activities that will make them feel even worse the next day, right? And you feel somehow obliged to participate in this. A for social acceptance B. it's the only way you know to let off steam whatever the reasons you need to own those reasons if you're doing something like this so own the fact that you're doing it because you have a need for community and peer acceptance but own that and don't think you need to do it because they're expecting it of you do it because you're expecting that of yourself because you somehow need this for nourishment However, I will warn you, once you start doing things, knowing that it's for something you believe in, not just because there's some outside force obliging you, then you might start thinking, okay, well, if this is something that I need and the way that I'm fulfilling it is leaving me feeling ragged and negative the next day, what if there's like a better way of fulfilling that need? And maybe then you'll realize that you are worthy of better, more inspiring communities of people. Or that you actually get more from taking time for yourself, doing things that elevate your health and well-being. Or just pursuing a hobby that fulfills you. Or pursuing a hobby while finding a community that also pursues that hobby that turns out to be a much more enriching community for you to be part of etc., etc. Just an example, your work friends might be great. This is not me trying to determine how you're supposed to be spending your personal time. We're just working out how to own your time and own your energy. This is really important for like codependent relationships in our life that feel like an obligation because the person really needs us, right? And actually I had uh, Jen Lancaster on here Some time ago, who is a service industry vet and also coach simultaneously, and she helps people specifically with codependent relationships, and they can be a real trap because we feel like we need to be in them because this person depends on us, even though they're draining us. And it would be too selfish to cut them off, right? Well, guess what? You cut them out. You actually liberate your time and energy for somebody or something or some many buddies that will actually benefit from your help. Because many people depend on others because they themselves have no plans to improve their lives. So the other person's sort of a crutch, their stand in for the improvements that they need to make. And it's really good to scout that out and see if you are such a crutch, because sometimes you can be more of an impediment than you are actually. A benefit to their life. Totally another conversation. I hope you understand what I mean here in terms of not feeling selfish when you are making decisions about where your energy goes. Being selfless in the most effective way requires plenty of no's in your personal life. And if you're an entrepreneur listening, and there's so many entrepreneurs that benefit from doing this service mindset work, this is always, right? There's always a question of like, is my energy going into the right place? And there always needs to be a checking in of like, am I putting it in the right place? Is there a bunch of stuff I'm continuing to feed out of a sense of obligation or just continuing a pattern that actually is not yielding, right? So never feel like cutting the cord was the wrong move. It's totally understandable if it feels bad sometimes, but... If you remember the big picture, that can really ease the letting go process. So, work life. How does this work when it seems like you don't really get a say in where your time and energy goes? Well, let's see. If you were to test this, and it's good to test boundaries. Like in your life, it's good to affirm boundaries. And at work, it's good to affirm your boundaries there too, but also good to test the boundaries of leadership. Because sure, they want what they want and they have their protocols, but you discover that achieving those goals is costing too much, right? You have the right to call that out rather than just getting blown around by bad situations. You mentioning that something is just not effective is not right. If leadership is good, they will thank you for you calling that out. And if they're too weak of a leader to appreciate that, then, well, that's their problem. That's not yours, (laughs) so don't worry about it. Let's look at an example. Let's say you think it's your job to just give a client whatever they want, right? Well, what if the route they wanna take is ineffective, time-consuming for you and everybody and will actually compromise your ability to help everybody else in the process? Do you just say yes without offering a better way because you don't want to upset them? If you do, then it's a tax. You just got taxed. You just gave service that you don't have any control over. But what if you were to offer that more effective and time-efficient solution that doesn't only serve them, but everyone else that needs your time and energy, right? And this is getting into the nitty-gritty of efficiency, which I don't dabble in (laughs) at all. So um, the point is that saying yes to everything indiscriminately is not being a better employee or service professional. You need to claim the autonomy to offer a way that is better for everybody. And if you don't have that autonomy, and you've attempted to get it and haven't achieved it, then in that moment of having to do whatever the client wants even though you know it's not the best idea and it taxes what you can offer everyone else, then do what I always recommend doing when your needs can't be met and that's just acknowledge that you have that need for autonomy in that moment and just acknowledge that it's a dignified need and that of course you're struggling with not giving the kind of service you would choose to give. In different circumstances. But at the same time, own that you are choosing to go with the less optimal option because it's most optimal to just serve the company's wishes and also, really, ultimately, serve your need to keep your job in good standing. And always just check back in with those ultimate reasons for doing something because then it'll still feel like your choice, even though it's not the best way forward. In your mind, it's still the best way for you because your job's important to you, right? If that example didn't work for you, I'll give you one more. And that has to do with like taking abuse. And you might think, okay, well, to really be a good service professional, I need to just be able to take endless amounts of abuse because why push back on abuse, right? It'll just make everything worse. And true service is just letting people behave however they want, right? But here's the thing. If it leaves you with less to offer everyone else that you're serving, the ones not abusing you, the ones that are maybe more respectful to you and the company you represent, then as it concerns the big picture, it would be good to place some boundaries around the kind of abuse you're willing to take. And you can affirm those boundaries in ways that are still caring to the person you're serving and still has the goal of helping them in mind. And it can be worded like, I really want to help you. I'm just struggling to be able to manage this conversation with you talking to me like that. See, there's no judgment. You're just talking about your needs and how you still want to help them. And then add a positive action request. Is there any way that you can keep the focus just on what you need and not on all these names that you're calling me and we can more effectively move towards getting you what you need. It'd be really helpful to me because I really want to get you where you need to go. See that you're not actually telling them they're doing anything wrong. And you're not actually telling them to stop doing something. You're telling them to remain focused on the problem. If you tell them to stop doing something, they'll just rebel, right? Because that's what people do. But if you give them an alternative, and that alternative is remaining focused on the problem so we can get to our goal, and that's me helping you, then that would be more helpful to me. And you see, you've also at the same time invited them to help you. And no matter how much of a douche they're being, fundamentally people do respond to a call to help others. And coming full circle now, even if it's totally selfish, because people feel good being someone else's hero, right? So that psychology is really powerful. Word this stuff, however, works for you. But generally what I'm talking about here is you taking control of how you help others in more effective ways, because otherwise they're just taxing you. You're just passively agreeing to every way that they want to take from you, rather than offering them a more effective way for you to give them all the goodness that you have. And though on the surface this seems selfish, because you're protecting yourself from the emotional damage of what they are throwing at you and you're maybe implying that, okay, if I'm gonna help you, it's gonna be on my terms, right? Just like the psychology of charity, right? Like I wanna help people, but on my terms. You're not taxing me, I'm deciding to do it, right? But if your terms are also more effective for them, which you need to believe, then it isn't selfish, right? And if it's also more effective for everyone else that you serve, because it's keeping your tank full, and keeping your time free because it's not being wasted on someone else's abuse, then how is that selfish? In the macro sense, it's the least selfish thing you can do. Does this make sense? I hope it does. Reach out if it does not, or if it mostly does, like it triggers something in you, but there's like gaps, you know, there's like something that's not quite meshing. And I love chatting about this stuff, so send me messages anytime via email. Stefan at serveconscious.com. All that stuff's on the website, www.serveconscious.com, which you can go to to check out other service transforming content, get on the mailing list, get all that stuff dropped in your mailbox, plus other wonderful bonuses. But for now, I shall leave you. Be well and take control of your service game. All right. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye-bye.